Welcome to episode 23 of Cold Take Sports Talk. You're in the right place to hear current sports topics with a unique perspective. Coming at you from just outside the nation's capital in Alexandria, Virginia, alongside Corey Dowd, I'm Harold Laney. This week, we're going to take a look at what happened in week two of the NFL. This was a travel week for both of us, so let's go ahead and get this started. All right, Harold, we are going to come out swinging here. Like you said, week two of the NFL season in the books. The season kicked off last Thursday night in Cincinnati when your Bengals put it on their arch rival, Baltimore Ravens, 34-23. to Harold, you were there. What took place in the natty? Well, I, I think it, it started with the, the fast start. And I think a lot of these games this weekend kind of had that undertone going on in them. In the NFL, if you can get up, especially at home, get some momentum. You know, the Bengals put three first-half touchdowns on the board to A.J. Green alone. Whew. You know, things like that have a tendency to, you know, dig a hole that even a team, well, Flacco didn't have a horrible game. You know, he had over like 370 passing yards. But if you come out like that, it, it's, a, it's a hard hole to get out of. Well, when you when you get a lead like that, it and you know that the other team's offense can be can become one dimensional, and you know what they're going to be doing, and you you know you know they're going to be throwing the football for a team like the Bengals with that defensive line and with Geno Atkins. I mean, if they know what's coming, you're in you're in serious trouble. That guy, he can take over a game, and he's one of these you know he's not the big name guy, maybe not flashy. You know he, he's he's in Cincinnati. I'm not sure that you know the casual fan knows who he is. But I can promise you, people around the league know who he is. He's a difference maker, and you get him and is it Billings or Billingsley? Billings uh, together. I mean, and uh, Preston Brown, who's pretty steady back there. That's Carlos good, Dunlap is the other. Dunlap is yeah. really good off the edge. And, and right. Michael Johnson's back too. Am I right? Yeah, he was. He got hurt this game. Okay, but yeah, yeah, but yes, he's part of that that rotation. I mean, the Bengals get after the quarterback, you know, yeah. and, and if they know what's coming, you know, that you're in big trouble, and, and they showed that this week. Yeah, Geno Atkins is, I would say, the the next Hall of Famer for the Bengals. Really? Yeah, he, like, A.J. Green is a good wide receiver, obviously. But his stats will be comparative to other players that are playing in this era. Uh-huh. And players that will play in the time between now and when he's would he be eligible for voting, right? So I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the longevity of his career. Sure. But Atkins has already put that together. There's a lot of things that just don't show up in today's NFL. So the, you know, besides the quarterback, left tackles and defensive ends are the highest paid position, right? Yeah. And most of that is just to create that pocket, to create that, that exterior lane so the quarterbacks have a place to step up and throw. But what Geno does very well is if you don't double team him, he's going to just push that pocket back three yards every time. So he doesn't get as many sacks as you would, but he does he had two in that Ravens game and he had three pressures. So that's five, that's basically five plays that he negated. Yeah. That's not a position. That's not a stat position. You know, you, you might have no tackles and dominate a game. It's, it's saying, you don't, right. like you don't need, let's say right. you don't You're need enough space. You don't need stats to yeah. recognize what he does. And that's why he has a lot of pressures, which are a stat, but he also has a lot of things where, yeah, that pocket just got uncomfortable when it still wasn't a recorded pressure. Yeah, you're seeing that change a lot. Now, that's why you're seeing, I think, um, I don't want to say that left tackle is like less premium, but, you you know, the one thing, teams got to Tom Brady by by coming up the middle. Um, yeah, if you can collapse that pocket and, and, you know, he's a guy that demands two, three guys, two, three blockers. It, it frees up your linebackers uh, so they can, can move and make plays. And, and I think the Bengals... With this offensive line, if they can keep uh, Andy Dalton upright, um, they have a mix of running backs. I think Joe Mixon's a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, the Bengals are—they're going to be around at the Dalton, end. I, Dalton I wasn't so. sacked because I remember walking out the game with my buddy, 
I said, I don't think Dalton got sacked tonight. Yeah. And then, you know, we got back and we looked it up. No, he didn't. And his, his passer rating was 107. So that's one of those things. You give him time. He got it to AJ. He got 90. The leading receiver was Tyler Boyd for 91 yards. Tyler Boyd and yeah. a touchdown. So it's not, it was very, he was very well at like distributing the ball, um, staying upright, not making. The one thing I didn't like is he dropped back, I think, you know, over 40 times. Uh-huh. When you're up that much that early, I don't like seeing that. Yeah, where's and, Joe Mixon there? Why, why aren't you? Beating him with Joe Mixon yeah. when he got that lead. Yeah, Mixon was in and out with a knee. Okay. But Bernard, too, can run the ball. Yeah. They, they had other backs that are, that are fully capable. And that actually cost him a touchdown going into halftime, going a three and out, and then the Ravens came back. Because Flacco's arm is still huge. Oh, and yeah. It's not like he's he's not a very capable quarterback. And with those guys that he has you know, throwing the ball to, they're, they're, he just, they had a great – all three of them had touchdowns last week, right? Well, well when we talked here, you know, either for the – I think it was the AFC preview, but we talked about, you know, the best team in the AFC North. We thought that was the Steelers, right? And uh, and I'm not sure that I, – I, I feel that way now. We're going to talk about that later. The Browns, I think, are a lot better uh, than, than, um, than people thought. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a tough division, but I think the Bengals, uh, right now, they have certainly made – made their claim as uh, as a team that's going to be better be taken seriously this season. I'll say that. Let's let's move it over now. This is a quarterback that, that definitely got sacked a few times. Uh, but in our 22 episodes of Cold Takes, Harold, this next one has to be the strangest so far. Bills cornerback Vontae Davis took himself out of the game and out of the league when he retired at halftime of the Bills' 31-20 loss to the Chargers. Harold, I got a few questions here, but we're going to start with just a couple. Uh, number one, what do you think of uh, Vontae Davis' decision, and uh, what is going on with the Buffalo Bills? So, if you're going to hang him up, that's that's totally your right. But I think you you do it after the game. Um, <laughs> yes, just, I just, think just not to be a distraction. Like you're going to come to that realization. You know, at first I thought, you know, that, like actually even leaving there, he could end up having to give all that money back. Yeah. So it wasn't about money. You want to stop? It really looks bad for the Buffalo Bills. It really looks bad for Sean McDermott. I think a bigger question though is you know, kind of the the state of the players union of, you know, you're seeing a lot of holdouts, a lot of people demanding money where they've signed contracts and they're not necessarily in a position to negotiate. I know that this is a money grab, but I mean, are they, are we starting to get away from the concept of team sports here? I mean, is it, is it becoming just too me, me, me at this point? This move feels a little like that. Yeah, that, that is, yeah, I don't know. The game's definitely changing. It's it's been changing for a couple years now. It's been like that, and even yeah. like the college game kind of changed when um like, um Christian McCaffrey didn't play in his bowl game. You oh know? yeah, Fournette. Yeah, yeah, you saw so, a lot of that. Yeah. So you're you're kind of seeing that you know happen around the, the people are being more protective of their bodies. It could be they're seeing what really happened. Well, actually, they saw what happened to Jalen Smith. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, in in that bowl game against uh, Ohio State, you know, was going to be one of the top three, four picks, and he and he hurt his knee, and he, you know, the Cowboys still took him. But he lost millions of dollars. And I understand guys protecting the investment, and there there is all this, you know, the concerns with with head injuries. And uh, that was just a classless move. Um, but the Bills seem to have some real problems here. I mean, Sean McDermott took over play-calling duties from uh, Leslie Frazier in the second half, and, and the Bills' defense uh, seemed to play better. Um Josh Allen, uh, you know what? Better than expected. And even uh, Sports Illustrated writer Peter King, he said so. Allen was 18-33, 245 yards. He had a touchdown, two picks. Had some questionable questionable decisions. Uh, sacked five times, but um, clearly an upgrade from uh, from Nathan Peterman. You know, um, Peterman's QB rating in week one? 
No. Zero point zero. I'm pretty sure it doesn't go negative. No. So the, yeah, he he played as bad <laughs> as you can, right? Played, yeah. Because you last week you're like, is he the worst starting quarterback in NFL history? Like, well, that, that's. But I think statistically, you can't get any worse than. No, I mean, that. no, and Peterman. I mean, he he has the stats to back it up. The five interception game. The, the one thing I don't like though is I, Bosa didn't play right, and they still got five sacks. Oh, the Bills' offensive line is awful. That's still it's still that's still scary. It's scary. Know? I mean, you got Allen running around back there. They need to bring in like a Matt Moore. They, there's got to be somebody that they can bring in to play, and if nothing else, absorb some of these hits. I mean, you're throwing Allen to the Wolves. I think he's going to be good, man, because because he's out there with nothing. And, and and you see these other situations that these rookie quarterbacks have in the league, whether it's Lamar Jackson behind Flacco, Mayfield behind Taylor. You know, Sam Darnold has Josh McCown right there. I think I think Rosen will be playing yeah. sooner or later in Arizona. But uh, you know, Allen's just out there on his own. I'll let you speak a little bit to McDermott because I think he's kind of in a in a high pressure situation, not like getting fired kind of high pressure, but I think a lot of coaches that are in these teams that are not performing as well as you think they would be or they could be better, they're kind of sitting in this place where, you know, there's been some personnel changes. Were they was the coach as good as the record reflected last year or this year, what can they do to right the ship? Because it is a ship that needs to be righted, right? Absolutely. And yeah. as much as you want to overhaul an offensive line midseason, that's probably not going to really happen, right? Um, so what do what can you do if you're like McDermott with his experience with the personnel changes that he's had? What what what's his best case scenario coming going forward? Even like one week, two weeks. I I think I think anytime that you're you know that you're in a situation like this and you're the leader, right? I mean, the best thing that you can do is is, is try to motivate, try to put the best people on the field that you can, and have guys that are out there that you don't need to question their attitude or their effort. Um, the the Bills knew this was going to be a tough year. They lost you know they they lost two Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen and Eric Wood and Richie Incognito. That's a lot for anybody to take on. But they still don't really have a pass rush. Um, I thought that their defense kind of got crowned as, as being this really great defense last year. When you know what? They were getting three, four turnovers in some games that they were winning just because, you know, guys were dropping the ball. I mean, the ball bounced their way a lot of times. You know, that that's not a way to to sustain and win football games. You're not getting to get four turnovers a game. Um, the pass defense, I just I, – you wonder what's going on, man. I mean, they just get lit up. Travis White – you know, is a, is a good cornerback, and, and uh, Davis really wasn't uh, playing. I, he wasn't the guy that, that he has been. In a years. lot of times, corners are only as good as the pressure created. Well, that's true too. Sure, you can't you can't, you can't cover someone forever in the NFL. No, you're absolutely right. So, um, you know, they went out and got Trent Murphy, and, and and Jerry Hughes is is I think he's kind of a good number two D end. You know, to play opposite like you put Jerry Hughes opposite of like Von Miller. I think he's, you know, yeah, well, lights out. In today's NFL, you need you need to. Yeah. Whatever it is. In, yeah. in, either two outsides or an inside outside, yeah. you need two. So Hughes, I, I you know, I, I just don't think he's the guy. And, uh, you know, the Bills, it looks like they're probably going to have a high draft pick. They have $100 million in cap space. I mean, they can they can do some things next year. But McDermott needs to – you need to get control of that thing, you know. Um, I, taking over calling plays for your defensive coordinator in in, in week two is is concerning. Um but it did seem that there did seem to be an uptick in defensive production, so it's going to be a long season for the Bills, um, and uh, that's really it. But but Josh Allen, honestly, um, 
What do you think? I, I think he played pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, like my, my thing is the long term development. I don't like five sacks, and I season if you, you didn't sack that much, just think of like the likelihood of you releasing your your follow through going into a helmet. Like there's this outcomes oh, yeah. that don't even come from like the hit. Yeah, that's a sack, but if you're they're on you that much, the likelihood of you going down with something just increases it too. Well, they you know they drafted this kid Wyatt Teller out of uh, out of Virginia Tech in the fifth round that hasn't played. He's clearly more athletic than the than the guards they have now. I'm hoping at some point they they get him on the field. It's you know maybe somehow this line will gel. But you're right. Yeah, I mean this is gonna be a long year for Josh Allen. Harold Underwood, a quarterback that is, uh, his first two games have been much better than uh, those of Josh Allen. Uh, Chief second-year quarterback Patrick Mahomes is off to a red-hot start, tossing six touchdowns in their 42-37 to win over Pittsburgh on Sunday. Mahomes has 10 touchdown passes through two games, and the Chiefs' offense is off to a record-setting pace. Harold, you predicted Kansas City's success. Have they surpassed your expectations thus far? Yeah, yeah, I didn't think they would. I don't think he'd. So like right now, ten touchdowns in the first two weeks is a record through the, through the opening two weeks of a season. Down pace for eighty. Yeah. So, <laughs> I yeah, I was not expecting this. You know, that's, yeah. that's you go you go make a, a a bet in Vegas if you think that's going to be that good. Yeah. You you kind of saw the writing on the wall. I wasn't like the only person that did that. Like that offense was an offense that was kind of being oh, managed by a caretaker, yeah. and now they got an elite athlete with an arm that we only thing we didn't know is like how well can he read defenses. And that still might be up in the air a little bit because in that Pittsburgh game, there were just a lot of open players. And sometimes that's, yeah, he hit the open players and that's great. And I don't, I don't think that Steelers defense was what we thought they were going into the season. Right. You, I think at the beginning of the season, you were like, oh, Steelers defense, that's a tough week. Two weeks in, you know, it doesn't have that same vibe anymore. But yeah, he still is doing, you know, three hundred over 300 yards. Um, He got Sammy Watkins over 100 He's hitting the players. He's you know spreading the ball around. Kelsey, who had a slow week one, had a good week two. So it's not like you can game plan because you still have Hill. Right. You still have the running game. You know, so it's not like it's him going to one person that you can turn around and take away. The offense is really just cruising right now. Yeah, I mean, I've you know you know I've long been a Sammy Watkins fan. Um, and you know his his first couple of years in the league in Buffalo were that you know he had Kyle Orton, he had Tyrod Taylor as his first year as a starter and a run heavy offense. Last year, he, he got traded to the Rams after training camp. So, you, you know, you're not there for the initial install. You're kind of learning everything on the fly. <clears throat> um, you know, he had under 40 catches, but he had eight touchdowns. And then now he's with Andy Reid. He's with this big-arm quarterback. You know, I still think there's a chance that Sammy Watkins could end up being a top-10 receiver in this league. He and, and he got paid like one, that's for sure. And then you team him up with Kelsey, who... You know, I think is more athletic than Gronk. I I don't know if if uh, if he's a better overall tight end. Then you know you add in Tyreek Hill and and and, and Kareem Hunt. Some of these guys. I mean, that's just it's a whole lot of pressure to put on opposing defenses. And just with the rules of the NFL today, I expect the Chiefs to just be scoring a whole lot of points. Yeah, it, it'll take. And you know, some defenses are actually built to play teams like or try to like stop these wide open offenses, but it's really hard. When you have the personnel that they have to, to match up to, to play a, a, a nickel and cover Kelsey with it's, it's just it's just very you're just creating some matchups that teams that might be running that offense without that caliber of a one and two wide receiver and a tight end and a running back mixed with an arm that's huge like that's just a, it's a potent mix that even teams that have a lot of good cornerbacks or decide to play a lot of nickel or dime. They're still gonna have a hard time handling that offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the Chiefs and the Rams, and you know, it's funny when we did our preview before 
the season. We did them on the same day. Remember the Chiefs and the Rams? Mm-hmm. They have these very uh, up-tempo, high-octane high offenses. Um, I think the Rams have a better D, but uh, the Chiefs right now, I think, might be the best team in the NFL. Yeah. They can score a whole lot of points. Harold, we're going to keep it moving here over to... Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who obviously uh, were, were losers to the Chiefs this week, and their flamboyant wide receiver Antonio Brown has now dared the Steelers uh, to trade him. He's also threatened a member of the Pittsburgh media for simply doing his job. In two winless contests this season, Brown has one touchdown. Harold, what is the deal with A.B., and would Pittsburgh actually part ways with him? He's not going anywhere, and I don't think he I don't think he was really like daring them to trade him. I think yeah. he, he's just the kind of person that, you know, won't leave something uncontested if something's brought to him. And I think the guy that said that was like some PR guy for the team. Project, former, former, right, right, yeah. right, right. So I think he, that's kind of like why he was following and that's why he, he reached out back to that instead of, but you know, in a situation like this, the biggest thing you could do would just be not to give that guy credit or put him on notice. Just like, let it go. Like let another Steelers fan, defend you or get mad at him you know you don't need to answer that well brown seems to be addicted to social media there, there i read there was an article i i wish i knew who wrote it or or where i read it um but it, he he is obviously a big fan of instagram right and apparently mm-hmm. he uses instagram more than than any athlete in any sport and when you're on social media you know you're able to control the narrative right it's it's you can say what you want. You can take pictures. Apparently, if you say anything uh, inflammatory to Antonio Brown, he just blocks you right away. He doesn't want to get in any kind of contest. I think the guy that he originally threatened to punch in the face or he said he was going to test the guy's jaw because the guy reported that he was limping at camp and training camp, and, and he didn't appreciate that. Um, he seems a little entitled, I mean, even for an NFL athlete. And um, I think Pittsburgh – is potentially on the on the dark days of some football here. I think I think Mike Tomlin's tenure is uh, is hanging on by a thread. I think Big Ben uh, could very well retire if if they don't make the playoffs or go far in the po- postseason. And um, yeah, I think Antonio Brown is a distraction. He's not going anywhere. He's too talented to to get rid of. But I mean, the guy needs to just he needs to settle down, man. Stay off the social media. Yeah. It's not doing you any good. Yeah, he Bell leaves. Ben stays a year, two, three, whatever he does. Right. Brown's going to be the piece that they build, that the team's going to be centered around. You would think. So he, yeah, and then part of that is, you know, he needs to understand the situation right now. You know, you, you haven't gotten a win in two weeks. It's the second time in 15 years that's happened. There's a lot of drama going on outside of you and the team. This is a chance for you to, you know, just be a leader and not act like that. Exactly. Well, and maybe he'll learn. What, maybe that's what he. Maybe that's what he'll do. And leaders, but, you know, they they can kind of. You know, dampen drama rather than than get it fired up, and and he needs to, uh, yeah, just put your head down, play football, try to get some wins, right, and get this thing headed in the right direction. Yeah. Harold, we are going to keep moving now over to the NFC, and in our NFC preview, we talked about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season was over before it started due to the suspension of quarterback Jameis Winston. Enter journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has outplayed every quarterback in the league, uh, with the exception of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. They took down the Saints in Week One. Uh, the defending champion Eagles in Week 2, and they have the struggling Steelers coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Harold, is Fitz the starter, and is it time to consider the Bucks as players in the NFC? So, yeah, th- those are like two questions. Um, yeah, they're players. Th- that team's good. Fitz makes them better. Um, 
402 yards, four touchdowns, and his first play from scrimmage got out of the gate fast with that 75-yard touchdown pass. So that's the whole idea of, of starting fast, right? Right. But how many teams has Fitzpatrick played for? There you go, and that's the answer. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. If he was, if this was him week in and week out for the next three years, someone else would have already capitalized on that. Is he playing great football right now? Yes. I, why? I don't know. Right. I don't know, like, what's making it so, like, work well, so well. Well, it's a good well. question. May, has Dirk Cutter figured this out? Has he figured out, like, what Fitzpatrick can do? I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched one of these games yet. I know that. Fitzpatrick, like you said, is extremely cerebral. He's a good athlete. Um, well, you know what he's doing better than Winston is he's finding D-Jacks. Exactly. Five touchdowns from yeah. um, him from Fitzpatrick, only one with Winston over like last year. So wow. that's that's a big thing because Deshaun Jackson, his whole thing is taking the top off of that defense. And, you know, totally Evan, really does. Evans yeah. is a great great guy for everything else, but if you're you know there's a big difference between one and five and sure. the amount of snaps he's had with each quarterback too so is that is that the difference is you have to threaten him with that deep ball and hit on it and make it a real part of the offense and is that the difference did you like him dressed as Connor mcgregor did you see that yeah i did i did, I did. yeah i like that that's pretty funny wasn't it I mean, yeah it's patrick he's always kind of had a self uh he's kind of been self-deprecating he, he can get a laugh out of himself and oh he knows this is his moment he might as well be interesting yeah it, and it's it's you know but he made a statement last week that was something along the lines here. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of like that he knows that the that, the, that in the NFL that you're going to have games like that. You know, six touchdown games, and then he's had six interception games, and you know that that you're fortunate either way, and you just got to show up every week, and you know do your best, and you really don't know how it's going to unfold. Um, he's a hard guy to root against. You know, you you, you like seeing guys that seem to be. You know, <clears throat> pretty good-hearted people, and, and he seems to be that. And it's a good story. And maybe, you know, the Bucks they had a really bad year last year, and they were clearly a better team than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure as they're, they're as good as the team they've put on tape these first two weeks, but like they say, you are what your record is, and the Bucks are 2-0. and And if they beat the Steelers this week, and I expect them to, um, boy, that could get interesting really quick. Okay, Harold, we are going to keep it moving now. To a team that, in my opinion, should be undefeated, the Cleveland Browns. They lost a heartbreaker to the Saints on Sunday as kicker Zane Gonzalez missed two extra points and two field goals. Now, apparently, Gonzalez was hurt, and neither Hugh Jackson or the Browns training staff knew about it. About it, Harold, how bad is this for Hugh Jackson and the Browns? So, you know I've been a Hugh Jackson defender a few times on the record. I do. Um, and this kind of had me alarmed from, from the standpoint of, if you're the head coach... That's your ship. We've kind of talked about that. And just yep. like the whole idea of like why a college basketball coach gets suspended when someone does anything, right? Because it's just like a failure to have control of your institution, right? Institutional right. control. So why do you not have control of your institution as a head coach? Why do you not have communication protocol in place? This seems fairly logical. If any player is having an injury to a body part that impacts his ability to execute, why would that not be communicated to the medical staff, through the position coach, to the head coach, in a very timely fashion. What I don't understand, if you're the kicker, you know, no one's going to remember in a year the week Zane Gonzalez was hurt. They're all going to remember the week that you missed two extra points and two field goals in an NFL game. I mean, that's like, I just don't understand why you'd roll out there if you're... 
Yeah. You know, the kicker is not really a position where you can, like, rub a little dirt on it. You know, if your elbow hurts, cool. If anything below your waist hurts, you probably shouldn't be kicking in an NFL game. Yeah, the hard thing is, is you know, if you do it in pregame warm-up, it's really hard to, like, call up the next guy. So your yeah. punter usually does it. Something like that will occur. But, well, then that's good. Let him know. Then let the, let the coach decide, hey, you know what? We're going to go for two. I've seen that before. Well, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Is, is like it needs to be communicated. Be a grown-up, it, it dude. It needs to start there. I don't know if it's his job to tell the coach, but he needs to tell someone. And and yeah. that person needs someone. Someone knew that should have informed Hugh Jackson. It's just that's sad the that, that the Browns, I think, are a, I think the Browns are a good football team with a bad record right now. I mean, not a bad record. They can overcome this if they're as good as they look. But, I mean, these were good teams, man. The Steelers, who beat up on them for years. I mean, when you saw Tyrod throw that touchdown to Antonio Callaway in the Superdome uh-huh. late, you know, that, I mean, God, people of Cleveland, you know, they, they, they should be celebrating Brown's wins. And this is going to be, in my opinion, man, this is going to be why Hugh Jackson's not there next well, year. Well, Hugh Jackson would have to almost make the playoffs to be there next year. That's not happening. You don't think that's going to happen? And Gonzalez might never kick in the NFL again. It's a tight – It's a, the kickers are a tight community. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of other good guys without jobs right now, and he really doesn't have – he's only two years out without much of a resume and no clutch anything on, on it. So. Right, that's what, I, that's what I don't understand. So maybe was he thinking, like, dude, if I say I'm hurt, I'm never going to play anyway, and you just go out there and roll the dice? But, I mean – He was a great kicker in college. Where did he play? Arizona State. Okay. I, I don't – I've never heard of a guy missing two extra points – and two field goals in the NFL, other than this guy. And you just, it, it sucks that you did it hurt, and you probably just should have said, hey, man, I can't go today. And yeah. it is what it is. Maybe he felt like he was going to get cut anyway. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not him, and I'm sure he probably at the time thought he was making the best decision for himself. But this is a tough one, man. And it's, it's you know, like guys like yourself that really believe in Hugh as a head coach and, and – I believe in him as an assistant coach, and I think he's a great guy. Um, and I want him to be a good football coach. You know, I just I'm not sure that that, it, that it's yeah. Work there's out there's there. a lot of red flags in this situation. Yeah, yeah. So it you know we we will see that 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 thing is uh, certainly going to go on. Uh, Harold, so uh, somebody else we were pretty critical of last week, um, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they ended up beating the Giants this week, twenty to thirteen, on Sunday Night Football. Uh, as I said, we were pretty critical of Dak Prescott and the Cowboy offense um, on this podcast. Does your opinion change after seeing what they did with the Giants? So, like, you know, like last week we were talking a little bit. I think we made the baseball analogy of, you know, the first year he came out and he was just raking, you know, hitting the ball over the field. And then last year they were, they were finding that spot where he couldn't hit the ball. And that was kind of like taking away the underneath stuff, right? Yep. And in this game, you know, a couple a couple things happened. But the big thing is that he did. He hit a 16-yard a 64-yard pass to, to Von Austin, so he, yep. he he hit that he hit that deep yep. ball. So he, there's some eating crow right there. Like he made that happen. Another thing too is some of that stuff gets a little bit easier when that Cowboys defense plays that way. And I think you know you, you've talked off you know offline sometimes about you know the position of quarterback and what it takes to be successful. And having a defense like that is a big component of being a successful quarterback. You have 35. Um, yards in the running game with and you have someone like Barkley who they pretty much negated everything. Barkley still put up 108 total yards, but it took a lot of touches to get there. 25. Yeah. And I just remember watching that game. That one hit that Peyton Manning or um yeah Eli Manning took and he got up. He had that look on his face like what? Yeah. 
And I was just like, that's not a good look. He was getting hit all day long. Yeah, really I don't think the Giants are very good. Yeah, still. it's really hard to run an offense when your quarterback's getting hit like that. Yeah, and and look, uh, with uh, with with Jalen Smith and with uh, Van Der Esch, they got some linebackers that can move. They can cover a lot of ground, that sideline to sideline. Um, I don't think the Giants are a very, very good football team. And um, Saquon Barkley... You know, obviously there's all the potential in the world, but what I've heard, you know, even coming out before the draft was that he was a guy at Penn State that made his hay outside the tackles. And you're not going to do that in the NFL. You're not going to, you know, be the guy that, that they want him to be running outside the tackles. This is an inside-the-tackle game, and uh, eventually you got to do that to be a successful running back. He's had some. I think he's had some good tack, some good runs on the interior this year. I don't oh. think he's. I don't think he's been completely limited to that. I just think that in the, in this particular game, it they, they were just suffocated. Like their offensive game plan just was garbage. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a big that's, part of it too. That's a big part of it too. I mean, having Pat Shermer is supposed to be this this offensive wizard. Um, maybe Dallas has a better defense than they do offense. Um, we'll see, but you know they're going to have some opportunities uh, here in the next few weeks to to prove it and, and try to do it again. Okay, Harold, we're going to keep it moving here back over to the AFC. Uh, Blake Bortles played like a quarterback worthy of the over, number three overall pick in the NFL draft in the Jaguars' thirty-one twenty win over New England this Sunday. Harold, a lot of people in football media seem to think that the Jags are a solid quarterback play away from being the best team in the NFL. Can Bortles lead the Jaguars back to the AFC title game? Yeah, in some ways I think the AFC is more open than the, than the NFC. Yeah. You know, I think the NFC, there are a, like a handful of contestants that you'd have to consider. I think from the AFC, you know, minus the teams that we know are not good, Right. I think a lot of teams could end up in that AFC title game. Yeah. So I think definitely the Jags with Bortles. Excuse me. Sure. <coughs> Bless you. So, thank you. Jags and the uh, Jags and Bortles, they have to be in consideration because one, they walked the walk last year. Yeah, and you know what we've seen out of them this year makes me think that it's like they haven't they haven't regressed. That defense is still going to probably you know get better and better, and that offense is is looking great so far. Blake Bortles looked great, man. I mean, he is you know he's a big, strong guy. He was chucking the ball around. I heard someone today; they were crediting saying that uh, that the staff that they have there in Jacksonville with Marone is one of the best coaching staffs in the league. And who's that? Todd Walsh, the defensive coordinator, who I think is expected to be one of those next head coaches. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett has been the offensive coordinator for for uh, Doug Marone. He was in Buffalo. He was going all the way back to their time at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Bortles, he he's taking a lot of heat, man. You know, and and he's he's. He's came out there, and and this year he he's looking solid. It's looking like he's proved some people people wrong. And if they can get consistent play out of him, yeah, they're very much going to be in the mix uh, when this thing. Well, yeah, they went out and paid Bortles with Cousins still on the table. They did, yeah. So it wasn't like they said this is a consolation prize, right? You know, they they went out and they and they took care of that. And there was a lot of talks of you know would they go after Terod Taylor? Would they draft? Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, they brought in Cody Kessler as a backup for him, but, but no, Bortles is playing, um, he's playing solid out of the gate. And, and if he, like I said, if he can stay consistent, um, they're going to be a handful to deal with. <clears throat> Keeping it moving here, Harold, to, uh, one of the bigger news 
here definitely uh, in the in the past week or so in the NFL. Josh Gordon, who played in six of the Browns' last 51 games, uh, constantly suspended for failed drug tests, missed training camp this season while dealing with personal issues, and after showing up late to practice last week, the Browns finally had enough, trading him to the New England Patriots for a conditional fifth-round draft pick. Harold, Hugh Jackson is a player's coach. Bill Belichick is not. How is the league's most unaccountable player going to make it New England? So, um... I went and like looked up some players that have been moved to New England, and some of them, you know, Corey Dillon went there and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You had Randy Moss and Wes Walker both went there in that season that was almost undefeated that they ended up losing to the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Junior Seau, LeGarrette Blount, um, Kenny Britt, um, Michael Floyd, Chad Johnson. Yep. And I kind of think Chad Johnson and Josh Gordon might have the closest comparison. Chad Johnson was... Um, one of still one of my favorite players of all time. I love watching Chad play, um, but he was very much not in the mold of what you would expect in New England and the he, Patriot way. He didn't, not... he didn't make the Patriot way because right. even this week I, I was watching a play and a, um, the running back came out of the backfield and he turned and sat instead of like continuing the route. Like he uh-huh. turned and sat in the flat a little bit and Brady went to lead him and the ball went off his fingertips as he started to move again. Right, so we got to the sideline and Brady was just flipping out. So yeah, it's one of those things where like you have to know. That Brady's gonna lead you. You know, you have to know that like that play is designed to be led. You're not supposed to improvise and sit. I'm sure that's what the running back did. Or yeah. Brady wouldn't have been that bad. That's the kind of thing like Gordon cannot improvise. And I think that's what happened with Chad Johnson. Great feet, great hand eye coordination. But in that offense, you have to do your job all the time. Or it's not gonna work out. Well, th- and that's what I'm you gotta so. be there to do your job. How long until they expect to get him on the field? And, you know, if you're New England, is just like I think they really looked at their roster after losing this week and, and knew, hey, we're, you know, we don't have the talent to, to be there at the end with who we currently have on our team. Because um, I, 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 I mean, Harold, the likelihood that Josh Gordon makes it there a month is slim to none to, to me. I, I mean – he could he couldn't do it in Cleveland like year after year after year and I mean it's a personal issue with the guy and I hope you know I don't wish anything bad on anybody but um, it just seems unlikely that all of a sudden he's going to be this accountable guy that can show up and and do what he's been expected to do because he hasn't done that yet he's twenty seven years old this isn't a nineteen year old kid I mean I I think Josh Gordon. I just I think it's sad because I think when you talk about like physical raw talent, mm-hmm. he's like he's up there. I mean I, I'm not going to say he's like Bo Jackson, but at the wide receiver position, you got from a physical standpoint, you know, you had T.O. who's just I mean, T.O.'s T.O. and I don't think Jackson is that far behind. I mean, you're talking about a guy who didn't play for a couple of years, showed up in like week ten last year and was playing in the NFL. If Josh Maybe. Gordon was even really good. Yeah, he wouldn't be having these opportunities. Can you remember like Justin Justin Blackman for? Um, oh, of course, yeah. He was Oklahoma he State. Was, yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah, he was, even in the NFL, he was pretty good. Yeah, he's had a lot of these serious same drinking problems. Yeah, he yeah. has he had a lot of these same issues. He yeah. was only pretty good. Yeah, that was the difference. And that's sad too. Blackman was yeah. you know, a top five pick or whatever. Oh, or unbelievably talented. Yeah, that's. A, I watched uh like um you know like the sports science shows they do on him. Yeah, yeah. They said like on like a fifteen yard ball. With like average velocity, his catch radius was the size of a garage door. Because that, that's like how frequently like big that dude was. But that's what I'm saying. Like he had physical attributes that were measurable off the charts. Mm-hmm. But he was only good. That's how good Gordon. That's how much better Gordon is. That people will put up with this. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I heard Peter King, he kind of, Peter King said that he heard uh, some people you know comp- on Twitter or whatever comparing it to Randy Moss and Peter King said that that's the most disrespectful comparison he can remember. Just saying that you know Randy Moss was a a, a, a Pro Bowl, <laughs> not a Pro Bowler, but a Hall oh, of Fame wide yeah. receiver, and and Gordon is is just a punk. And I think for everybody that let me back up. Peter King didn't say he was a punk, but um, you know, for everybody that that's that that sports fans, like we're sports fans, you know, I mean, Josh Gordon got the golden ticket, man, you know, and he's not using it. You know, and I don't know what the guy has going on in his life. And, that, and that's kind of the, that's the road I'm going to take is I don't know what that guy has going on in yeah. his life. It sounds like he is really wrestling with who with who he is himself. Yeah. But there's one thing like he's not popping for smoking right now. Like at least that's not going on. He's not. But he was a guy that admitted that he was drinking before games. Yeah. Yes. Saying, like no, this is yeah. this is in the recovery phase. So like if you're doing those things, obviously you're, you're wrestling with some stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know the extent of what he's dealing with, or you know, but yeah, there's something else going on there. I mean, I hope he makes it because I hope you know, you, you know, there's nothing really sadder in the world than wasted talent, you know. And he has just tons of it, and um, you know, I, I just, I hope that he can figure this out. I mean, I, I'm certainly not rooting for the Patriots. Well, no team's gonna run, no team's gonna be tighter on him than the Patriots would be. Yeah, like, he he could be clean. And sober and showing up for every practice on time, and then run two routes wrong at the end of a Thursday walkthrough and not be active. This, you know, like that could happen. That happens. But in in Cleveland, that wouldn't happen. No, <laughs> in no. Cleveland, you'd be they'd be throwing you the ball anyways. So, Harold, as as we've kind of done this uh, last week, I want to say, well, what is your uh, what is your biggest surprise of this past weekend? Uh, my biggest surprise was how the the Jags beat the Patriots. Okay. So 481 yards of total offense, but mostly on Blake Bortles' arm, 377 yards and four touchdowns. You know, that was the game when they got out 24 to 10. It kind of had that feeling it could have turned out like last year's AFC um, um, championship game that it could have where it could have very well ended up the same way with with Brady coming back and having a dominant game um, and and being the better quarterback. But this week, not only did they come out and play good ball. Bortles came out and played excellent, and I, I can't remember too many games seeing like the Patriots give up yards sometimes, but I can't remember seeing them give up almost five hundred to a, a team that's out there starting running back. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I have to go with. Uh, I'm going to keep it with with the hometown Buffalo Bills. Uh, the biggest surprise had to be a guy that actually retired at halftime, Vontae Davis. That's uh, probably not going to happen again. We're hoping, right, for for the sake of the league. So, yeah, that that's my that's my surprise. And if I had to make my predictions. Uh, predictions for next week, I would say that uh, Josh uh, uh, Josh Allen is going to get sacked more than five times against Ooh. the Minnesota Vikings. That's a tough defense. Yeah, get off the icy hot. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, so my prediction is going to be bold. I think I'm just going to go right out there. Cleveland gets it done. Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland wins Thursday night um, against Jets? the Jets. So 8-20 tune in or wake up Friday morning and... And see the final. Okay. And I'm going to go with little stats on this because you know I, how I love these stats, right? Let's hear it. So in their past 35 Sunday games, the Cleveland Browns are 0-34-1. And their last four Thursday night games, they're 2-2. Two two. Oh, wow. Well, let's make it 3-2, huh? So, yeah, I think they're going to get 3-2. and two. And here's another thing. The short week works for them because I don't know. 
if if they can game plan better on a short week, or you're just giving the other team less time to game plan. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think all that somehow is going to benefit them, and it's going to be more like a, a scrappy type of game. And right. I think the Browns are a scrappy type of team. Yeah, that, no, that's the thing. I think that I think they are a good team. I, I uh, Zane Gonzalez will be tuning in somewhere from somewhere ice in that foot. Maybe he'll be sitting in the pound. Doubtful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so Corey, that that completes our our week two NFL recap. We're gonna shift gears and we're gonna go on with our hero highlight segment, where we bring to light people and organizations that make a difference in the world we share. What do we have this week? All right, Harold. Well, so uh, this past weekend, uh, we, we went back. I went back to Western New York. We had a uh, a little benefit for for a friend, an old friend, Ike Steyer. It was the Fight for Ike uh, Euchre tournament and 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 raffle. Um, there were over 300 people attended. Um, we had a goal set for to, to make $12,000. We hit that goal. We actually surpassed it with $12,500. Um, so anybody that's listening to this show uh, that was there, one of the 300 people in attendance that, that came, um, you were part of that. You were part of that uh, that number at the end. And, and um, sometimes it's hard for people to kind of understand that you know maybe just a little twenty dollar donation or a forty dollar donation kind of what it adds up being um but i can tell you that twelve thousand five hundred dollars for excuse me for ike and his family um is really big right now and and if you were there and uh and you were part of it um i'd like to say thank you personally so um ike also has a uh, there's a gofundme page out and this isn't charity i want to be very clear about this there's charity and that there's help uh, you know, charity's one thing. This is help. Ike's not himself right now. Needs to get back on his feet. Um, has a young family and just needs some help. So if you go to GoFundMe, you go to uh, Fight Fight with Ike, um, you'll you, you'll find it. They, they give all the information there. Uh, but, yeah, he, he could really use it, and it really couldn't happen to a better guy. I have never in my life heard one person say a bad word about uh, Ike Steyer. And uh, in, a, in a world where... Stand-up guys are kind of few and far between. He he stands about as tall as anybody I've ever met. Yeah, I, I can't recall anything like that. Yeah. yeah, everything I have to say about, like, I rode the bus with him back in grade school. So, yep. um, yeah, he is, is an extremely nice, you know, I knew him. I don't even know what we would call ourselves at 18 years old when we were young men, yeah. I guess. You know, that's where we were. But, yeah, I don't have anything to say. So, yeah, he was just always nice, always smiling, always happy. Oh, he's uh, the same guy, yeah. yeah. He's the same guy. Had the batting stance, had the pitching wind up. Like, yep. not too many people could I look back and remember, like, the Little League moments. But, uh, you know, oh, Ike had it. Ike had his own style. They had the stra- Apparently their dad taught him all that. Even the girls and stuff. They had, they had a very strange batting stance. But It worked. But, and some of the coaches, Little League, they, they, they kept the bat back all the way. Mm-hmm. And... What I try to get the kids to do now is you don't want to start, kind of go back, load, and then yeah. swing forward. So you're already back, and the only way to come is you're is taking forward. You're taking a moving yeah. piece out. And he was a really good hitter, and uh, all the way, all the way coming up, and still to this day. I mean, he, you know, like he's probably five eight, but he's strong. I mean, he's still really built, strong, and uh, you know, I mean, cancer obviously is 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 a devastating disease, but. Cancer don't want no, no, I, I said, I said, that's a man right there. Man. I, I wish him and his family all the best. Yeah, yeah. So if you were there this weekend, man, it, it was really appreciated. That um, it was a good thing, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So. 
All right, so yeah, that's it for week two of Cold, or week 23 of Cold Take Sports Talk. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, until next time, God bless.